chapter 6. John chapter 6 is where we're going to spend our time here this morning. You may remember early on in the Gospel of John when Jesus was beginning to pick up recruits and he was beginning to get his disciples uh, assembled around him. Uh, John the Baptist is in town and he's with his disciples and uh, John sees Jesus in the distance or close by, and he makes reference to his disciples. He says, behold, the Lamb of God. He's there, the the Messiah. That's him. And, of course, his disciples do what they should do. They they leave John, and they go, and they move towards Jesus. And Jesus uh, sees them, and he sees them coming near. And the first thing that John records in his gospel about their interaction is Jesus saying to them, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? And it's a, it's a great question, I think, because it, it, it helps us and reminds us that Jesus has this, this way, and simple way, of getting to our hearts, getting below the surface. Uh, for us to ask ourselves, what are we seeking? When we come to him, what, why are we there? What, what's going on that, that gives rise to our need for him? What is it that we're seeking? And it helps us clarify the purpose of Christ and the purpose of him in our lives. I'm hoping, I'm I'm trusting that this passage that we're going to see here this morning, talking about hunger and feeding of the 5,000, is one of those passages, too, where he's able to, to get into the surface of our lives, below the surface, and address some heart issues that are going on there and drive us to Christ and our need for him. So as you're able, let's stand for the reading of God's word. John chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through 15 and then skip forward to uh, verse 25. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, He said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered, It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Had the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had had all enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing what they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. And then skipping to verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, You were looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. 
Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one who has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who, go, who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always, sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those who have given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up the last day. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Would you pray with me? Father God, we uh, come to you. Some of us come distracted. Some of us come half-hearted. Some of us come uh, tired. Some come of us uh, looking to you earnestly needing you to uh, answer something that's uh, on our hearts and on our minds. Regardless, we pray that you would meet with us and the truth of your word would uh, take root in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Please be seated. The big picture with this passage is Jesus teaching us that he is the bread of life that's able to meet our spiritual hunger. I remember... um, Soon after graduating from college, being on a missions trip to Panama City Beach, Florida, it was with college students. It was a college ministry mission trip, and it was a 12-week-long uh, summer project. Uh, I was single, but there were other uh, leaders there, campus ministers, and some of those were married. So you had a handful of singles, uh, freshly out of college, many of us, and a handful of, of married folk. And I was uh, particularly curious about uh, the married people because you're a college student, you don't really hang out with a lot of married people. There's not a lot of married people on campus. And that was kind of the next big thing in my life was I want to get married. I want to meet my wife and begin that part of my uh, life. And so really trusting God, really desiring that uh, to happen. And so I was curious to see, you know, what's married life like in such a dynamic like this in this project environment. And it was fun to watch, um, looking anyway. But one thing I noticed was um, every once in a while, they would bicker. You know, they would be short with one another. And it wasn't a big deal like they need, this couple really needs marriage counseling, kind of bickering or being short with one another. But it's just the nature of that kind of relationship. Uh, they would just have those kind of conversations, I guess, if you will, interactions. And I remember thinking as, you know, I, 
so wise and so mature, 22, 23-year-old, thinking, I'll never do that. When I get married, it's always going to be love and gushiness and all kinds of things like that. And Of course, I was so naive. You know, it's like when you're wanting to get married and you're wanting to, to find a spouse, it's all that you think about all the time. You're always praying about it, thinking about it. And then when you get married and you have that relationship, all of a sudden your spouse could walk in the room and you wouldn't even know it because you're distracted by TV or you're distracted by your phone. All that to say, we, we all have these uh, hungers in our lives, these desires that we're looking for God to fulfill or we're just looking to fulfill on our own. It may not look like a relationship hunger. It may be you know, related to our jobs, our vocations, our, our pay scale, our quality of life. It could be health, it could be uh, conflict-related. We all have these hungers that we're looking to be satisfied, looking to be filled, looking to be done away with. And many times we turn to God and we look to him and expectingly, or maybe by faith, for him to, to meet those needs. And Jesus in this passage is promising us that he is the bread of life and there's satisfaction in him, with him. And so what I want to do in this passage or this morning is look at this and answer uh, two questions. How does Jesus show us our real hunger? And then how does he satisfy our hunger? Just two points this morning. How does Jesus show us our real hunger? And what I I mean by that is what we're going to see in the beginning of this passage is that we want Jesus his bread, but we don't want him. And that's where he's trying to get to see our real hunger. So many times we want his bread, but we don't want him. Let's dig in and I'll show you where we see that. Uh, Some of you find this interesting that this story, the feeding of the 5,000, it takes place in every gospel. It's the only miracle that's in every gospel. And what's unique about John and his kind of take on it is he gives us kind of uh, the after effect of this miracle. It kind of gives us the debrief that, that Jesus has with the disciples and with the crowds after this happens. And so you've, in these few dozen verses, you've got Jesus with a lot of people. The text says 5,000. And commentators are quick to say it's probably, in all reality, more than 5,000. Because he's probably 5,000 men, and that's not including the women. That's not including the children that were there as well. So we're talking maybe up to to 20,000 people that are gathered here to hear Jesus uh, speak and, and teach and to follow him. And Jesus gets everybody to sit down uh, because he, there's a need to, to feed. And it's like he takes some kid's lunch, like he steals some kid's lunch, and he starts distributing fish, and he starts distributing bread, and everybody is satisfied. Everybody's filled up. Everybody has enough for them. In fact, they have these 12 baskets after and they have more food left over than they started with. And Jesus does this just incredible miracle. And it's no wonder we read in verse 14 this, the crowd's response. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Now that key phrase there that they say, they recognize him, they say, surely this is the prophet. And that's really key for us to understand what they're, they're seeing and really what they're expecting and what they're taking from Jesus. It's the bread 
in the wilderness, and they're reminded, of course, of Moses and how God fed Moses's, Moses and the people at, at the at time of the Exodus, living in the desert, living in the wilderness. And they go to Deuteronomy, and they talk about the prophet. In Deuteronomy, it talks about there's a man or a prophet like Moses who is to come. And so they're making that connection. This must be the prophet that was talked about in the book of Deuteronomy. They're, they're making this leap uh, to Jesus, and they come to him, and they, that's why they want to. Later on, we'll see they want to make him uh, king. But what Jesus does is he withdraws. He seems to pull back from this understanding of being perceived as the prophet. And I think that's why does Jesus move away from them like that? Let's think about the sign. The sign is mentioned. The sign of this miracle is mentioned pretty repeatedly in this passage and in really the whole gospel of John. It says that he did this sign. And when Jesus does signs, it's not there as, as some kind of power play. He doesn't do these signs to really wow the audience and to, to gin up this, this great, you know, spectacular kind of all the things that he could do to institute a faith in these people. It's, he does these signs not for the wow factor, because if he wanted to do signs for the wow factor, he would do something more than feeding 5,000 people. You think of a, a man like this, Jesus, fully divine, what he could do. He could certainly wow them more than just feeding them and meeting their needs like this. But what he is doing with these signs he wants them to see what they point to. They point to the reality of who Christ is and what he came to do. They're missing the point of the signs. And what they're doing is that they're reading into the signs what they want out of Jesus, what they want out of him. Because they talk about, let's make him our king. Let's, let's install him. And what they're thinking is, he can feed us. We've got a big group here. It's like 5,000 and strong, we could be a political force. We could be a political power. We could really move this and, and take this where our own needs are being met. Jews in this culture, with the, the Romans ruling over them, there was always this tension. There's always this difficulty. And they're looking for this Messiah, somebody to, to bring relief from this situation. And they think, we could make Jesus that guy. He could fix our problems. And what they're doing is they're pushing their agenda upon Jesus to get him to do what they want for him, to solve their problems. It's why I said they want the bread and they don't want Jesus. And before we, we get ahead of ourselves and we think, gosh, those people, they just don't get it, we do the same thing all the time. We, we come to Jesus and we think, Jesus, this is what you need to do in my life. I, I want you to do this. You've got to fix this. You've got to solve this. You've got to, to make this better in my life because I need to be more comfortable or I need to have more security. I need this or that. We come and we constantly put our agenda top, on top of Jesus, expecting him to do these things in our lives. And this leads us to verse 25 and, and 26. It's crowds have followed Jesus to the other side, and Jesus says to them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves of bread and had your fill. Now that's a sharp rebuke. <laughs> He's saying, you're not coming be for, for honest reasons. You're just coming because I can meet your needs. He's really rebuking them. 
just because of what I can do for you, you're not making the connection between the sign of the bread and what those things mean and who I am in your midst. What is the bread that you want from Jesus? But what is it that you want from him as opposed to wanting him in your life? Because what we, so subtly we can say, and we can couch it in, in spiritual language and spiritual terms and, and, and come to him. And what's really going on is we just want him to meet our needs. We just want him to, to do what we want him to do. But why do you come to church? Or why do you come to, to Sunday school? Why do you come to prayer meetings? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you pray? It's because you want to meet with Jesus, because you want more of God in your life and you're seeking his will and his glory. Is there something more going on? This is how I can be guilty of this. Sometimes I'll pray, God, bless my kids. Bless my kids. It's a great prayer. It's good that we want my kids to, I want my kids to be blessed, and your kids to be blessed, and so forth. But what sometimes is behind that is, God, bless my kids so that they're easy to manage, so I won't be embarrassed by them, so they won't be problems for me, uh, so that there won't be like that. Where is that in your life? Well, how does Jesus satisfy their hunger? Let's go to verse uh, 35. Jesus says, and he declares, uh, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus obviously saying, I am the bread of life. This is the first of seven I am statements. Perhaps you're familiar with these. Uh, the seven I am statements that we see in the Gospel of John. This is Jesus comes to these 5,000. He says, the whole point of me feeding you is for you to understand that I am the bread of life. If you come to me, your hunger will end. Not because I'm like a, a restaurant where you have this every, um, always and forever gift card where you always get free food, but me, myself, and what I am doing for you, I am that bread of life for you. Uh, you're laboring for an agenda. You're la- laboring for work, you're laboring for uh, your problems being solved, I'm saying labor for me. Uh, labor to believe in me. Labor for, for me as a person in your life. Come to believe in me and you will never hunger. I know some of you are maybe disappointed that football season's over. Uh, even if, you, uh, if you're a college football fan, maybe you're even disappointed that the NFL is over. The Super Bowl was a couple weeks ago. And a part of that, there's always this unbelievable hype around the Super Bowl, isn't it? I mean, even the commercials get hyped. It's just ridiculous. And part of this story, or maybe a small part of the story, was the New England Patriots were not in the Super Bowl. It's a great Super Bowl game if you watch it. It was really good. But the Patriots weren't in it, and it was a small kind of after footnote about it. And, of course, to talk about the Patriots is to talk about Tom Brady. Some people love him. Some people hate him. But there's this video clip floating around about an interview he did on 60 Minutes. 
And Brady is sitting down with the interviewer. And I think at this point he had won three Super Bowls. You know, he was making just literally millions of dollars, incredibly successful, um, just gifted in so many ways. And the interviewer is asking him about this experience, asking him about, uh, you know, what's it like and, and so on and so forth. How do you do it? How do you stay on top and, and things of that nature? And, of course, they, they got to talk about money and they talked about, you know, how they've, he's won so much and been so successful and at one point, Brady says, in effect, this. He says, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater for me out there? Maybe some people would look at me and say, you've reached your goal, your dream. But I think there has to be something more than this. And then we asked him, you know, why do you think that is? What do you think the answer is? And he says, basically, I wish I knew and my point is that here is this man that we'd hold up as successful financially, successful on the, on the playing field, successful in his personal life, and yet he's still hungry. He's still not satisfied. And Jesus in this passage says, I am the bread of life. I'm, I'm the one that can meet your need for hunger. I can satisfy you. And really what's maybe another thing that's helpful about the Brady and his comments, to be filled and to know Jesus as the bread of life, you've got to be hungry. You've got to be dissatisfied. You've got to come to a place where, you know, my family's great, but there's more. My job is great. I'm fulfilled there, but there's more. My personal life is great, but there's more. You're in a place where you can have Jesus be your bread to meet your hunger because you're coming to him needy. You're coming to him empty. You're coming to him looking to have more of him in your life. Which begs the question, what does it look like to know him as the bread of life in your own life here today? It means receiving. It means knowing him. Verse 35, he describes as, as come to me, this invitation to come to him. Uh, whoever believes in me, this is how you receive him and know him as the bread of life in your life, in a practical, applicable, uh, daily kind of way. It's the nature of faith is what he's saying. If you want to know me as the bread of life, then believe in me, have faith in me. And to have faith in him means that we're certainly we're looking at him and we're resting in him and knowing him. But it means, too, that we've turned away from something else. We've turned away from the junk food, you might say, to use this metaphor of food. We've turned away from all that stuff that doesn't satisfy, that doesn't work. It felt good for a while, but it just left me in an unhealthy place. Maybe that's where you're at here this morning. You've, you've eaten and eaten all this stuff, desired all this stuff, and it's just not working. It's leaving you empty. And Jesus has come. Believe in me, know me, and you'll find your hunger satisfied. We all know it's one thing to know about food, but it's another thing to taste it. It's one thing to know about God, but it's another thing to know him. It's one thing to come to church. It's another thing to worship him. It's one thing to pray, but it's another thing to talk. It's one thing to read his word. It's another thing to believe in it. 
Where are you with Jesus as the bread of life? Do you think he can satisfy you? Do you think he's enough for you here this morning? Are you willing to depend upon him? Let me close with with this. And that is, how do you know he's the bread of life in your own life? My answer is, are you you willing, are you allowing God to be God in your life? You know he's the bread of life in your life when you're allowing him to be God in your life. Think about the crowds. What motivated them? It's the bread. It's what Jesus could do. And Jesus says, no, don't come to me because of what I can give you. I'm not a, a genie in a bottle to solve all your problems. But come to me. I'll be the bread of life in your life. I'll satisfy your hunger. I'll meet your needs. I'll I'll do in your life. But you've got to let me be God. You've got to let me do my will and my work in your heart and in your life. That's how you're going to be satisfied. That's how you're going to eat this bread and know me in your life. Are you willing to let God be God in your life? Are you willing to give up on your expectations that just lead to disappointment, that lead to frustration? Are you willing to let him be God in your life and let him be that bread for you? Let's pray together. Father God, we struggle day in and day out. We are surrounded by so much distraction, so many good things, so many fun things, and we forget that you are our bread that by partaking of you, by knowing you, by relating to you, that we can have life, that we can be satisfied. It doesn't mean that life will be easy. It doesn't mean that they'll be uh, well free of, of pain and hardship. But we know that you are enough. So help us to see you as the bread of life for us. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.